0: Hey, fam. What's up? It's Patrick. So, look, I have been so looking forward to sharing this episode from our Patreon feed with you. It's episode one of our two-part coverage of the documentary Who Killed Robert Wan? This is a real who-done-it, fam. So here's the setup. It's the evening of August 3rd, 2006. We're in the upscale neighborhood of DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C., at the home of a prominent attorney named Joe Price. So Joe's best friend, Robert Wan, is spending the night in Joe's guest room. It's a little before 11 p.m. Joe, Robert, and the other two residents of the house all head to their rooms to go to bed. It had been a quiet night, but within a half hour of everyone like closing the doors to their bedrooms, Robert would be dead, having been stabbed three times. So what the hell happened? I mean, it seems obvious that the killer had to be one of the other people in the house, right? Well, not so fast, fam. Could it have been an intruder? Also, why is the crime scene, which should be chaotic and gory, so clean with barely a drop of blood anywhere? This has to be one of the most mysterious cases we've ever covered with twists and turns you will not see coming. So, we are giving you episode one right now, right here, ad free. Episode two of this two-parter is available right now and ad-free on our Patreon feed. On our Patreon feed, you get almost 400 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge the second you sign up. Everything from Making a Murderer to Serial to the death of Lacey Peterson. We've done cults. We've done art heists. We've done all the serial killers. It's all right there. And if you're a Spotify listener, you can now get our Patreon feed on Spotify. I know a lot of you are waiting for that. You just open Spotify, search TCO Patreon, Feed and it'll do the rest for you, or you can just go to our website and click on the Patreon link. All right, get ready for this one, fam. It is a doozy. Are you ready for me to blow your mind? Yes. Stephen Tipton lived 1.5 blocks from this house when this murder happened. No. 1.5 blocks. When did he live there? He lived there in 2006, but he was on tour when this happened. So he wasn't there, but he had a residence 1.5 blocks from this house. Stephen Lee Tipton. Hi, Julian Bentavali. Hi, Patrick Hines. It's a new
1: day. It's a new series. A new series. We're doing uh, something new. We're doing yeah. a two-parter on the page. I love this. I'm excited about it, too.
0: All right, let's get into this. You know what? Can I start? Uh, yeah. We just get a lot of analogies right at the top. Somebody says, I've always likened this murder to a jigsaw puzzle, but you don't know how many pieces there are. There are lost pieces. There are pieces that are fucking lying to you. Which I
1: love. I know. However. I know, I know where we're going. Someone says. uh uh-huh, Here it goes. This is like the movie Clue. I want to stop on this for a second. <laughs> yeah, please. He didn't say board game. He said movie.
0: Oh, you're correct.
1: And that's how I know he's one of us. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's a very important distinction because he goes, it's like Clue, only we don't know who Miss Scarlet is. I was like, she was actually played by Leslie Ann Warren. Totally. (laughs) Um, She's an icon.
0: She is an icon. (laughs) That
1: movie is iconic. I know that's an overused word, but I stand by it. just said, like,
0: I know this is about the gays, but it's a little on the nose.
1: Movie and board game, very, very important distinction. So it's August 2nd, 2006 in Washington, D.C. It's
0: 11.49 p.m.
1: We start with a 911 call. D.C., emergency
0: number we in an ambulance. What's wrong? We had someone in our house, evidently, and they stabbed somebody. Okay, somebody's inside the house? Okay. I don't know. Someone is bleeding in our house. He's a friend of
2: ours. He was spending the night with us. Who was first person gonna stab him? I don't know. We think it's an
0: intruder in the house. The person that says I'm just in home? I don't know. It's a frantic phone call. Someone has been stabbed, possibly by an intruder, and the intruder might still be in the fucking house. Someone
1: broke into our house, evidently, is now, what the person says. Let
0: me just say, this is the DuPont Circle area of D.C. I, we go to D.C. a lot because Steve like, lived there for 10 years yeah. and we love it and his family is there. This neighborhood is so frantic fucking cute. And these row houses are so adorable. Steve was saying today that whatever the address is, that street's only like a block and a half long. There was a time that we were thinking about moving to D.C., and this is the neighborhood we definitely would have lived in. Do you
1: think we would have recorded remotely the whole time?
0: One million percent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) calls, they're hysterical. Yeah. And then we meet Glenn, the federal prosecutor.
0: He goes, after 30 years if I could pick one case that could accurately be called my white whale, it would be this one.
1: And immediately after, <laughs> Bernie Grimm, the defense attorney. Yeah. He's like, look, uh, the average lawyer has tried 20 cases. I've tried over 160. So yeah, I, I know what I'm doing.
0: I cannot believe you missed an opportunity to say Bernie the attorney. Bernie the attorney! <laughs> I remember I also, Dick the Dick? I do remember Dick the
1: Dick. But I, Bernie Grimm, it reminded me of Trent Grimm, the independent from oh, Ted Lasso. totally. Who I love. I totally. love Trent Krim. Um, but he even says, now this is the defense attorney. And he says right from the beginning, look, I'm going to be honest with you. This case has more questions than answers. He says, even I don't really know what happened. And this is the defense lawyer. Yeah. I think that's pretty
0: important. And one of them says, the difference between this and all the murder cases I've handled is everything. Now, this is coded language. <sighs> we'll get there when we get there. But this is a bunch of gay men and one straight man who's mm-hmm. the victim. And there's a lot of like, what's different about it is that they're gay guys. Yeah. And they're in a threat pool. We'll get there. We'll
1: get there. Not our victim, but we'll get there. Yeah. So remember the guys at the top where this is a jigsaw puzzle and everyone's fucking lying and the Clue movie? They're David and Craig. They're bloggers. And they started a blog called Who Killed Robert Wan?
0: Oh, God.
1: So it happened right down the street from both of them. So this yes. is very local to them, and yes. they're passionate. They're smoking cigarettes. They're cursing up a storm. They're smoking
0: cigarettes inside. I don't, I know. it's 2023. What are we doing?
1: Fellas, if you can quit smoking. I, I know this is a big ask,
0: I know. but let's all watch Clue one day. Yes. Clue party? So August 2nd, 2006, it's the night of the murder. We meet Jeff, the EMT. He's oh, Jeff. first on the scene. Jeff. Jeff's seen it all, I feel like. And
1: at the time, he. Except
0: this
3: was new even for Jeff. Right.
1: At the time, he had 15 years of experience. Yes. So he's like seen a lot, right?
3: We arrived at the scene at eleven fifty-four p.m. I noticed the gentleman standing on the front stoop. He was wearing a white robe. And he said stabbing on the second floor. His head was down, his eyes were closed, and he wouldn't turn toward me.
0: But like this guy is on the front stoop, he's wearing a white robe there's been a murder he's in a white robe and his hair's wet yes so he won't
1: turn and look at Jeff which is like okay if I I don't know how I would act if that happened to me I gotta tell
0: you like I want to say to Jeff just the facts sir like he's definitely editorializing a little bit more than I want him to as an EMT right
1: so Jeff goes upstairs because the victim is on the second floor yes he sees another resident of the house also wearing a towel yes and Jeff says uh hey what's going on And the person doesn't answer, goes into a bedroom and closes the door. Jeff goes, my antenna went up.
0: I mean, there's been a murder in your house. The intruder might still be there. Like, I'm not saying you all have to be me with your fucking hair on fire. But
1: someone was screaming hysterically on the phone what, six minutes ago? You just said they just got here. And And now everyone is freshly showered in their bathrobes?
0: And you're in your room with the door like you're
1: closing the door? What? You're not responding to the EMT who's trying to help the situation and get to the bottom of this?
0: So, Jeff goes into the front bedroom on the second floor. This is where he notices a man in his under sitting on the bed, he had his back to Jeff. He stands up and says, I heard a scream. And that's when Jeff encounters the victim laying on the bed.
1: Right. His name is Robert Wan and there's no blood anywhere.
0: But there are three big stab wounds on his chest
1: and so jeff says it looked like robert was stabbed and then washed up and then put back in bed because like,
0: he says showered it's as though they showered the body
1: and like they're all in bathrobes with wet hair
3: yeah when we got him in the back of a medic unit i looked down at his chest and i noticed surgical incisions, something you see a doctor do and it looked like he had been wiped down with a sheet or a towel He doesn't call them stabs. He calls them
0: surgical incisions. And
1: what he's saying to us is that, like, after his 15 years of experience, it looks like Robert bled out, but there's no blood anywhere.
0: And, like, everyone is going to say to us, like, in stabbings like this, like, one guy will say to us eventually, I've been on scenes where one guy dies of one single stab wound and there's blood. it looks like a slaughterhouse, they say. There's blood everywhere. There's, like, a little bit of blood on the bed, a little bit of blood on the pillow. There's three stab wounds on this guy's body, but no blood on him.
1: Let me ask you something. The two of us both had, semi-recently, me and March, you last night. Night. We yeah. both had some pretty minor injuries with yes. blood involved. You said you hit your head last night? Yes. You bled a lot, right? A lot. I sliced my finger. The blood was like nothing I ever imagined that something this small, which yes. looks great, by the way. Uh, all healed <laughs> up. The human body's amazing I and know. terrifying. <laughs> Oh my god! But no, like, there was more blood than I thought. I came home; there were drops of blood all Everywhere. over the kitchen. Yep. So it's just weird having had an experience that I know does not compare to this. But like, that's the point. You that know, It was like, you know, slicing a tomato
0: for a quesadilla. I get it, but like, while we're talking about antennas, Jeff, my antenna's up a little bit too because it's kind of like, okay, it's clear these guys are gay. It's the gay part of town. Uh-huh. They're in bathrobes with wet hair. Like, if they didn't do this, they've just suffered like a major fucking trauma too. And it felt like they were describing that scene from Eyes Wide Shut. With like the sex party where they all have the masks on and it's oh. very like clandestine and a little bit dirty and see- and I was just kind of like they're just gay dudes, right? You know what I mean?
1: I never saw that movie, but yeah. I, I
0: know the scene. Is it good? No. Oh, it's okay. whatever. But like, it got a lot of hype because it was like sexy, exactly. Okay. But like, that's my point. Like, they are acting kind of strange, but like, a man's just been murdered in their house and they're gay guys in like fresh, clean white bathrobes, right? You know what I mean? I completely agree. I think we're gonna deal with a lot of homophobic bullshit
1: here. In yes. fact, I know it. But I also do think like, but your hair's still a right. shower but it's weird yeah so who are these guys let's get into it
3: i learned that the three guys were joe price dylan ward and victor saborski and they all lived in the house together joe he was the talker the whole story was somebody broke in and murdered their friend robert who happened to be staying the night
1: Joe's kind of in charge here. Yes. Joe did all the talking, but all three of these men lived in the house together. And Joe tells us that Robert, our victim, was spending the night. They heard a scream. They run in. They find Robert dead. They call 911. They mention that the back door was unlocked. And no one heard anything until the screams and then the screams and then this horrible scene.
0: And just to be clear, Joe and Dylan and Victor, they're all gay. Joe and Victor, they're not married because that wasn't legal yet. They're domestic partners, they yeah. call them. We'll learn that Dylan is also in this relationship. But, like, Joe and Victor share a bedroom. Dylan has his own room on the second floor, which is the same floor where the body was found. The body of Robert Juan, he's our victim here. He was not gay. He was a straight man.
1: Yeah. And they all say, like, Joe and Victor are married, for lack of a better term, together exclusively. Yeah. And then, like Dylan has come in, and they even say that he's quote not equal, and right. maybe they're like auditioning him that maybe he will be one day, but right now, like he's described as sort of the third wheel.
0: And you know what? Live and let live. Don't judge that if that's if that, like that's not no. for my marriage, but like that's theirs. I'm not judging
1: it. I just think oh, the dynamic is you. important. Yes, you yes, know yes, what yes. I mean. Yes,
0: I wasn't saying you. Yeah, just no. in general. Okay, great. Because it's hard, like especially for 2006. That is an unusual situation. Of course. We all bring our own baggage to learning things like that about people. It's unusual for me. I would never have a marriage like that. Yeah. When I say don't judge. I guess I'm talking to myself because I'm trying not to judge Yeah,
1: (laughs) but I I think that's important, like, just the dynamic, because when they say that Joe was in charge, he shot Dylan, the, quote, third wheel, a look that says, like, stop talking. Stop talking. So he was sort of directing everyone with their eyes, and Dylan sort of got the brunt of it.
0: Yeah. So Detective Brian, who's, like, the lead detective, is saying, like, right from the start, he's, like, the lead detective on the scene, and he's there. And he's just kind of calling bullshit on Joe's
3: story because he says, Joe gave me the story of there was an intruder somebody must have come in through the back door that just happened to be unlocked and nobody hears anybody come into the house there was an intruder I mean really who says that you say somebody broke into my house they stabbed my friend it's just weird
1: they even said on the phone like an intruder evidently like it feels Again, I don't know. I've never been in this situation, thank God, but it just feels a little, like, just words that you wouldn't really use.
0: So, Detective Brian goes upstairs to the crime scene. It's a pull-out sofa with just a little bit of blood staining and, once again, everyone's like, not enough blood.
1: And they're saying it, like, everything on it, if it's the pillow or the bedsheets, everything just has, like, a little bit of blood.
0: Exactly. You
1: know? And so, there's a knife from the knife set in the kitchen that's on the nightstand. Again, just a little bit of blood on it.
0: But also, like, there's not just blood on it. There's, like, human tissue on it, and they focus on that knife for too long. And
1: But what's important, I think, about the knife is that what kind of an intruder banks on the fact that you'll have like a good enough weapon well, in your
0: kitchen? listen, somebody says down the road if you're coming into a house to rob somebody, you're bringing your own weapon like, if aren't you're coming into a house prepared? to kill somebody, you're bringing your own weapon like, like the story's full of holes major, yeah, but they also say that like this also wasn't a robbery, like in order for the intruder to get to that bedroom, he would have had to have come in through the back door walked by all the expensive electronics in the living room, up the stairs. Around the foot of the bed where the body was found, there's two wallets and a fancy watch. Nothing was taken. And his
1: clothes were neatly folded. Yeah. And we also learn, I'm just going to say it now, this was an, it was a gorgeous condo, but it was old. It was creaky. Yes. You kind of can't walk around. I mean, at the
0: row house from the 1800s.
1: Like, I've been to to Salem. I went to
0: the witch house. But you know those old, old houses? Yes.
1: You can't walk without. It's very, very loud. So that was the other thing. It's like someone broke in because they said we didn't hear anything and then we just heard screaming. Right. How would you go up this big, grand staircase without hearing anything?
3: At the foot of the bed on the desk was Robert's clothes neatly folded with his wallet and his BlackBerry. The bed comforter had a perfect crease. The pillow was at the head of the bed with, you know, a perfect head indentation. Nothing was out of place. Nothing out of the ordinary that would say that there was a murder that occurred here
0: it wasn't like he had gotten into bed and was under the covers and going to sleep and an intruder came upon him it looks like his body was placed here and this is where we learn that robert the victim has a wife named kathy and i was shocked like they save it until this moment for us to learn that robert is not one of the gay guys right and you know joe the head guy of the house he's the one that calls kathy that night he tells kathy that robert has been stabbed and is in the hospital but doesn't tell her that he's dead
1: no but he wants to get ahead of this narrative, I guess. But now we have Robert's friends here, yeah. Jason and Darcy, and they're just here to talk about like what that must have felt like for them to get this phone call. Jason says, I felt like I got hit by a truck. Yeah. They loved him so much.
0: I mean, they tell us he was like witty and wonderful and insightful, always good to talk to. They say that he got interested in politics and public policy in high school, which is so interesting. Mm. He ends up going to William & Mary College, and at William & Mary, he's in a secret society, but it's not like Skull & Bones. Everybody. No. They do secret acts of kindness. It's called
1: the 13 Club. I know. The whole point was anonymous acts of kindness. Like what?
0: I wanna join the 13 Club. Now,
1: I think that's very sweet. I yeah. love that. But you know who else was in that club? Joe. Joe Price, the like ringleader. I mean alleged whatever, like the head of the house. Yeah. And th- I hate that term but here we are.
0: I want to say like Joe and Robert met in this secret society but they are best friends. Yes. I don't want that to get lost. Like Robert was sleeping over at Joe's house because he needed a place to crash for the night and Joe was his best friend. Like had no issue with them being gay obviously like Joe had been out. Joe's like a prominent gay leader in D.C. at this time. Like
1: Joe and Victor and Dylan, all the gay guys in this relationship yeah. were like planning a surprise party for Robert. There are photos of right. them all holding the birthday cake. I mean they all knew each other. They were all very good friends.
0: Yeah. And one thing that stood out to me they mentioned it later but like Robert is Joe and Victor's best friend he's been murdered in their apartment and they're showing no they're not crying they're not screaming if you got murdered in my house I would are you kidding me (laughs) like oh my god
1: yeah no one heard a thing and there was no like all these suspicious circumstances
0: and it just seems like they are very quickly trying to deflect guilt
1: it's weird they don't have a lot of emotion but they also have a lot to say yeah you know they wanted to call Kathy first
0: and but we learned that after going to william and mary robert the victim went straight to law school robert
2: had not dated a lot of people he met kathy in 2002 he came back from a weekend he said i think i met the woman i'm going to marry i was like this is so out of character for you what are you talking about he's like no i met the the right person it was quite the kind of whirlwind meeting engagement and then wedding stunningly fast
1: they were just like super in love. And so Robert wanted to work for Radio Free Asia because someone says his motivation was to make a difference in the world.
0: Yeah. Like, and Radio Free Asia is based or was at the time in D.C. Right.
1: Right. So now we get back to the night of the murder. It's two a.m. And that's when the police interviews start. And,
0: and we see, like, they separate the men. So course. Dylan and Victor and Joe are all taken downtown. They're all interviewed separately. And we have the videotapes of all of them.
1: Now, this is when we learn that Joe, quote, the leader, is described as, you know, type A, loud talking. He's a partner at a law firm.
0: And he's like at a prestigious law firm. Like we learned this house is like a $1.2 million house at the time. I looked at up on Zillow. It's now worth 2.6. <gasps> I know. But it's like a fancy house in a fancy part of town. Like they've got money.
1: Right. But he's also like, keep your mouth shut.
0: You work at a law firm? Well, and Joe, like, see, this is the tough part because I have the same question. Like Joe is an attorney. Why isn't he saying, fuck this? I want a lawyer yeah, or I'm leaving. Or and I know my
1: rights. I don't have to say a thing.
0: Bernie, the attorney, who's Joe's attorney. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Dick the Dick and Bernie, the attorney.
1: Bernie, I'm sorry. You must have been hearing that your whole life.
0: And here it is again. I know. Bernie the attorney is saying that Joe cooperates because he believes that like he can get himself cleared quickly Mm. and they can go out and look for the real killer. Right.
1: Now, Victor, they describe him as Joe's husband, but again, domestic partner, whatever yeah. you want to call it. He's more on the quiet side, but he worked for the International Dairy Association. He He's was the, the point person
0: on the Got Milk campaign. Are you kidding me? Not since my favorite TV series, Sisters, when Frankie worked for Cowlada, have I been so excited to find oh, out that Lada? somebody worked for the dairy industry. Oh,
1: my God. Are you watching those DVDs I bought you? Jillian got me every season <laughs> of
0: Sisters on DVD and a little DVD adapter for my computer. I've watched it like five times. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, my God. God I love it Because so
1: sometimes those gifts are like oh great now I have homework I have to put it in this stapler Oh adapter. no okay, guys, sisters
0: are you kidding it's the okay. great it's nowhere in syndication not even on lifetime it's the I greatest show of it. all time I
1: couldn't believe it um, now Dylan, remember the like new person in this He's like the young hot
0: one in this house. He has
1: a degree in child literature and he's a masseuse.
0: And he's also like if Joe is being like loudmouthing and he's got a lot to say, Victor's being a little like scared and whatever, and like Dylan is like not really talking at all.
1: But Joe, the leader, is the closest to our victim Robert.
0: The detectives came to learn pretty quickly, these three guys
2: not only live together. This is a three-way relationship, a polyamorous relationship.
3: And you and Joel are partners? Yes.
0: Does Dylan share an equal partner relationship? No, not really. I think we're, we're trying to develop it that way. This is when detectives learn that this is a three way relationship which like even for 2023 that would be a, I think a bombshell for like a straight police officer to just like deal with okay in 2006 it was even less heard of than it is yeah. now so like this is a big revelation for the cops and
1: I feel like it would be a lot easier for them I don't know if it was like a straight couple and another woman exactly
0: or three women but the
1: fact that they were all gay right is a big like whoa whoa, hey what's I going mean, on here I think
0: one of these guys probably is the killer but yes. I think in that That moment, the cops are saying like these are just a bunch of freaky deaky guys. Yeah, and because Robert, the victim, was straight, we're gonna get a whole lot of like you were trying to seduce him that night, like. Now, I've
1: also, like, had people crash at our place because it was easier than getting home late at night after a few drinks. Like, crashing at a friend's place is, like, not that weird to me. Right. It's not weird. It's not weird to me.
0: Yeah, 100%. But the detectives do learn that this was the first time Robert had spent the night. And so, like, they're wondering, like, were these freaky deaky gay guys trying to seduce the straight guy? Well,
1: this is interesting. So let's go into Robert's last day alive. It's August 2nd, 2006. And Robert and his wife, Kathy, take the train together into the city because they live out in the suburbs. Right? They say
0: it was a typical hot and steamy, disgusting Washington, D.C. Summer. Steve and I once went to D.C. in August, and I sweat through all of my clothes. I have to
1: tell you, whenever we do live shows, it feels like it's always in the summer. We're going to I D.C. Know. July 21st. Yeah,
0: that's true. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, D.C. is like built on a swamp, yeah. and it feels that way.
1: But that was their routine. They took the train together into the city every day. Yes. So
2: They get off of the DuPont Circle exit. They kiss goodbye at 8.45 in the morning. Robert then goes to work at Radio Free Asia. He spends the day there. He had known that he was going to have to be working late. He didn't want to have to take the metro all the way home to Oakton.
1: So if he had stayed late to meet the Radio Free Asia overnight crew, then he
3: would be coming home late to Kathy, and he didn't want to keep her up because she gets up early in the morning.
0: The next detail is kind of important because we learn, according to the police records, Robert reached out to two friends. The first person he reached out to was a female friend from college. Mm -hmm. And he also reached out to Joe. But Joe got back to him first. And that's why he went to Joe's house that night, according to the cops. But
1: what's also confusing is that we hear that Kathy reminded Robert, no, 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 you're staying with Joe, remember? Right. So what's confusing is, like, did Robert not know that he was sleeping at home that night or not? Because he calls two friends like it's a last minute thing. But then his wife reminds him that he had already planned to stay with Joe. So I'm not sure what's going on.
0: I hate staying over at people's houses. Like, can I just say that out loud? Yeah. I always would rather stay at a hotel. You know what oh I mean? My God, it's totally. awkward. Like, you're sharing bathrooms. I just, yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it either. And I want to know, like, why not just go home? Like, how long would it take him to get home? Well,
1: I actually Googled that. So Oh, let's, is this what you were going to, you were yeah, saving yeah. for me? So let's hold tight. Let's okay. do the, okay. like... It's 9.30 p.m. Robert calls Kathy, says, I love you. Yes. 9.40, he meets with the night staff at Radio Free Asia. By 10.24, he's done with work. And Robert calls Joe. And by ten thirty, six minutes, Robert arrives at the house. Yes. Now, I Google mapped everything. From Radio Free Asia to the townhouse on Swan Street is like a 6 to 12 minute car ride at 10.30 p.m. I even did the time. Wow. Which makes sense because that phone call between 10.24 and 10.30, fine. Yep. A cab ride from Radio Free Asia to Oakton, which is the town is 22 minutes at 10.30 at night.
0: I wonder... It's not that long of a trip. No, it's not that long of a trip. See, the thing that that I don't know if we're allowed to speculate here, Uh like, was there something going on with Robert and the gay guys? Because
1: my thing is, the whole... I'm going to get home way too late and wake you up argument. Yes. Doesn't really make sense when he'd be home like 20 minutes later than it would take him to, like, I've come home when Mike is sleeping. Mike has come home when I'm sleeping. We have a dog now. She barks like when someone is coming in in the darkness. Thank you, Fiona, for saving all (laughs) of our lives. Um, But like, that's kind of not a real. That's the deal. Right. But like, to me, when you stay over, it feels like a bigger reason to do that. Am but, I crazy? No,
0: you're not crazy. It's the one thing I haven't watched episode two of this yet, so I don't know if we get into this. If it
1: was an hour and a half drive, yes. I'd understand it, but it's twenty more minutes in a cab. It feels like we're not allowed to ask,
0: and maybe it wasn't anything sexual. Maybe he just wanted to go drink with the gays and maybe. his wife doesn't like him when he drinks. Who knows? But like, was there a reason why he was going to Joe's house? And the thing is, like, I would by the way, if you got a group of gay friends who live in a fancy townhouse in DC, go drink with them. That will be way funner the than thing, going home. The
1: thing is, I'm sure their bathroom is nicer than anybody <laughs> else. That's true. You know. <laughs> (laughs) They probably actually washed the sheets before you came over. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, I would buy into, like, I just want to hang out with my friends. Yes. If, like, they didn't all go straight to bed. Right. He got there at 1030. Yes. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. So we don't know what happened. Well, we get the round robin of interrogations. Robin came in.
2: I offered him a glass of water. I stayed upstairs. We had drinks around the sink. And we talked about his wife, about his job. It was just chit
0: chat. And then... Joe went outside
1: because he saw a spider or something on the light. We took Robert upstairs, showed him a bed. He said he was going to take a shower. <clears> then <bed. throat> it was all sticky. We said goodnight. Joe goes outside because he saw a spider on the light.
0: so this feels like a weird detail to me. I like agree. Joe's putting himself outside the house like right before everybody goes to bed and Robert gets murdered. Then Robert says he's going to take a shower. This is also weird to me. Like Robert is going to take a shower after like a 12 hour work day before going to bed. Oh I totally
1: get it. But like at your gay it's friend's hot house. hot and gross out. Yes. Okay. When like you just I, to me. Great
0: steam shower I'm sure.
1: <laughs> like a nice chill shower. But yeah. I even as a kid like I love ta- like at the end of a really really hot summer day just uh-huh. like taking a, like a second shower just like to rinse and
0: like go to bed. I love that. For me it's less that and like August being, in DC, girl, three showers a day. I get it, but if I'm coming to your house, I'm not getting naked. You know what I mean? I don't like the idea of like getting naked and taking a shower at my friend's house.
1: Oh, I disagree.
0: Even though I think I'm very handsome, as we've established, as we
1: established in the previous
0: episode, <laughs> in the previous
1: episode, um, that's the anecdote. I'm space. just
0: saying, like, there are details about this that feel strange.
1: Okay, I agree because the, the shower whole... in August.
0: But also, like, all three men were showered when the EMTs arrived. So are they I mean, trying to put them all? In, who? Like, what's going on?
1: But like the idea that he was just like, I just had a long fucking day. like I just want to take a shower and go to bed that I get completely
0: tell the people what the gays did when Robert went to get the shower
1: (laughs) now they are watching Project Runway so I mean but he comes in right smack in the middle of the episode yes now I googled
0: fam before she tells you this there was a time when Project Runway was without a doubt the best show on television yes I completely agree This was a
1: very dramatic episode. I Googled. They were watching Project Runway Season 3, Episode 4.
0: Which one was this one? This
1: is the one where that guy got disqualified because he was, like, sneaking fashion books (gasps) and, like, sewing books.
0: Oh, my God. Yes. His name
1: was Keith. He was kicked off in the middle of the episode. He had, like, design books in the room of the apartment. Yes, I remember And he was also, like, lying to get a computer and, like, side-googing, like, how to sew or whatever. (laughs) And then the week before the challenge was like make two outfits for like a fashionable woman and her dog and he refused to make an outfit for the dog and Heidi was like bitch you could have won but you refused to do the actual what? challenge. He refused to make an outfit for the dog but then he got kicked
0: out. Wait that was like the RuPaul's Drag Race episode where the queen didn't want to take her face mask off to do the lipstick for her life and it was only because she didn't know the words because she hadn't learned this <gasps> Okay <song>. cheater. <laughs> Ru made her do it and Ru was not happy. I mean
1: how long have these shows been on the air? But this was like a dramatic episode oh someone was disqualified and kicked off the program <laughs> at a, probably around the 10 30 mark which is when robert one walked in oh my god So for joe like i know this sounds really silly i know that yeah because Joe says, you know, I watched the last ten minutes of Project Runway. No, this was an episode that people were talking about. Yes, as it was happening, you knew yes. it was a big deal. So for someone, I'd be like, I'll see you in a second. Go take oh. your shower. Hold on, <laughs> this is really important. Heidi's mad. Yeah, 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 yeah like, don't bore
0: Nina. <laughs> don't bore
1: Nina. Okay, we'll do a little chat. We're gonna go do a little chat. <laughs> Who do we hate? <laughs> Who do we? hate? <laughs> but like, this was like a really high stress episode yeah. of Project Runway. It was like it's famous. Welcome so, to our
0: Project Runway recap. Uh, podcast. It's sorry,
1: <laughs> but I was like, oh. Oh my god so anyway i
0: went upstairs saw the last five minutes of the
2: show the show it was over at 11 got up and brushed my
0: teeth joe was switching channels i knew victor was getting a noise so i turned it off and he went to sleep
1: everyone goes to sleep joe's like i watched just the elimination joe i don't know if you did <laughs> i know Everyone wakes up to screams yes. that's what they say like yes. they went to bed at 11 on the dot
0: well they just are discussing that Keith was qualified in the middle <laughs> of the episode don't you have to debrief I know I know I know wouldn't we talk about it for an hour because <laughs> you yeah. didn't make the fucking outfit for the I dog know. What do you want project one way uh, for it? Runway, <laughs> if you're not going to do the challenges
1: remember that woman oh my god what was her name she was from Australia and oh, they or... had to make stuff from like things in New York City and she just she just did like yield she just got like police tape and she's like you know it's like caution it's like soap or Something. And it was just like, oh she's God. like, you know, it's like, it's New York City. You should be like caution. Oh my Yields. God. Remember her? God. I do, I
0: do. God, this is amazing. Anyway, But anyway, they're all in bed at 11 o'clock. Joe tells the cops. The next thing he knows, he hears a chime. So the chime is like the alarm on the back door, mm-hmm. I think. And then Victor and Joe, like, wake fully up to hearing the grunts and screams coming from Robert's room. They run to the guest room. That's where they find Robert lying there.
1: Now, Joe says—this is very important. Yeah. Joe says, the knife was laying on top of my best friend Robert's
0: chest. He offers this information to the cops.
1: I moved the knife. I lifted up Robert's shirt, and there was a lot of blood on his chest. Now, Victor, who was, quote, hysterical, yeah. his, like, for real boyfriend, I don't yeah. know what to call them.
0: You can just say his husband. His we'll just husband. say a husband, yeah. even though they were legally denied that protection at yes, that time.
1: Yes, exactly. Victor, the husband, who is, quote, hysterical, is tasked with calling 911.
0: But can I just say a couple things of here? Of course, please. So, number one, it is so suspicious that Joe is putting his fingerprints and hand on the knife. I That's agree. number one. Number two, he's wrong. There wasn't a lot of blood. No. no one addresses that in this episode. He's like, there was so much blood, there was blood, Everywhere. Joe, no, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. We've seen the pictures. There wasn't that much we spent blood. spent
1: ten minutes with poor Jeff, the empty, being like, there was no blood. And,
0: like, this man was stabbed three times. There was a lot of blood somewhere. Like, did they clean it? Where is all the blood? I remember Jeff was, like, surgical. yeah, Not, like, stabbed, oh, but, my like, God. surgical. Oh, like, what God. is this? Yeah.
1: So, they're saying it was a burglar, it was an intruder, all of these things. Now, the cops look into the backyard.
3: It's just a small little backyard and then a seven-foot security fence. It was deadbolted. Could somebody get over that fence? Yes. Did anybody come over that fence? There were cobwebs from the trees to the fences that you can only see if you put your flashlight up there. So you scale the fence. You don't mess up any of the cobwebs. You don't mess up the pollen. You don't disturb any dirt.
1: This plus the house was super neat. Nothing was stolen. And the house is old. The stairs creak. No one heard anything but the screaming like... The cops are just like, what the fuck? And also, they're all gay.
0: Well, so, exactly. Like, so exactly. not only,
1: not, I'm sure Joe is arrogant as fuck. Like, I'm sure I wouldn't like him either. Yes. But it doesn't help matters that they're in like a quote unconventional, like super gay relationship. And that's weird for these cops.
0: I mean, it's like equivalent to like Damien being the weird kid. Of course. You know, you find like the weaklings that you can pin it on or right. whatever. That said, I think one of them probably killed him. I
1: mean. Because yeah. like
0: there was no intruder and we'll get more into the. The prosecutor at the end of this episode takes us actually into the house and shows us what would have had to have happened for it to have been an intruder. Yeah.
1: And also, like, to your point that no one really feels upset about Robert. Like, at one point, Joe's like, you know, this guy broke in, stabbed a guy, and ran off. A guy? I know. That's your best friend, Robert. You just threw him a surprise party. There are photos of you helping him blow out the candles. A guy? I
0: know. I know. And, like, this is, again, where the cops make the point. Like, if you're coming to break in to kill somebody or steal something, why would you be, like, counting on, like, it being a cute gay apartment with, like, a butcher block full of knives? Right. And then you would go
1: upstairs to, like, the guest room to kill somebody with a knife. Walking right past
0: another room. Like, like the other thing nobody says is that, like, was this a targeted hit? Right, like, what? You know? So, back
1: to Dylan. Dylan is, like, the guy in the throuple. Yes. No one is talking about where exactly he was. They're just saying, like, Joe and Victor are just like, there's no way he did it, there's no way he did if it. If you
0: remember, like, from Jeff the EMT, Dylan is the guy who, at the top of the stairs, just, like, closed the door and went back into his room. Right, That's Dylan. Right.
1: So, the cops don't really have a theory, but they know it wasn't an intruder. But they're just trying to get the story straight.
2: Ordinarily, if you get two people involved in a crime, you're typically going to be able to break one and figure out what happened. You get three people involved in a crime, you're almost certainly going to be able to get one of them turn them against the other two.
0: The other thing about Dylan, because they think that Dylan is the weak link, and because they're all in separate interrogation rooms, they take Dylan out, and they take him out of the FBI headquarters where they polygraph him, and they ask him two questions. Did you kill Robert? Do you know who did? And they say he comes up deception indicated on both.
1: Now, this is all for leverage, because yes. the results are not admissible in court, but the defense makes a good point, because he's like, no, 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 the cops just say, you failed. Give us the rest, and we'll go easy on you. Exactly. Because they can't say, oh, he failed to polygraph because it's bullshit it's just a way to manipulate you
0: and this is when like they bring this to Joe and they're like he just failed the polygraph and this is where Joe was like Fuck, like, I was really hoping these cops were doing the right thing. They're trying to eliminate me, but they're not. They're looking at us. And this is where Joe decides he's done.
1: But then Joe, the lawyer, decides to come back.
0: So, and I just wrote, like, girl, this doesn't make you look less guilty. Like, he leaves and then turns around and comes back. And when he comes back, he has a different story. I mean, like, he's a fucking attorney and he's doing everything in the I'm guilty playbook. Right. It doesn't make any sense. He came back. I can't believe it. And changed his story. Right.
1: So, at first, Joe says, if you remember, the knife was on Robert's chest.
0: Like, flat across his chest.
1: I picked it up and put it on the nightstand. Now, Joe says, wait, no, 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 I got it wrong. Here's the real story. Joe says he pulled the knife out of his best friend's chest.
0: I mean... And
1: now the point, like, even one of the cops is like, what the fuck?
0: Because not only, like, would nobody know the difference, your handprint is on it, your handprint is on it, like, nobody would actually do that. If you find your dead, murdered best friend laying on a bed, you're not going to pull the knife out of his chest and and then calmly lay (sighs) it down on the nightstand. And if in a panic, you see oh my god, I can't see my friend like that, you don't forget that. Right, You don't forget
1: that you said okay, god, I did something totally wrong, I know I should But I just couldn't see my friend like that. I took the knife out. But you don't say, wait, I'm sorry. Did I say it was honest or did I take it out? You don't forget.
0: What is the point of changing the story like this? I don't understand. Nobody would have ever known. Unless he's afraid one of the other guys saw him pull the knife out and he's afraid they're going to say that he did that. Right. So now Dr. Lois is here. She's a medical examiner. Yes. And at the
1: time, she'd done about 2,100 autopsies. I love her. She finds things that are curious. Oh. The first thing that I noticed was three perfect slit-like defects in the front of his torso.
2: These were three surgical-like defects. They're nearly identical in depth, width, and orientation. The uniformity indicating nobody moved the attacker nor the victim.
1: And there are no defensive wounds at all. There's no blood on his hands. There's no blood anywhere.
0: Because what she's saying is in a stabbing murder like this, if there's more than one stab, the stab marks look different because the person is fighting back. Of course. And so the only way, like imagine you have a cadaver on an operating table or whatever and you take a knife and you pierce him three times, the, ni- the stab wounds are going to look exactly the same because the body isn't moving.
1: And now she says the wounds weren't immediately fatal and that he was alive while a blood clot was forming. So, so now I'm like, she's saying two things at once like what is she talking about yes she's saying now hear me out yeah that he was given something a drug and that he was actually paralyzed and could not move.
0: Paralyzed and hopefully unconscious. Right.
1: Or like under the influence in some way. Because again, just to make it clear, like the puncture wounds had to be when he wasn't moving. Yes. But he also bled out, which means that he was alive. Right. So like, how was he not moving? He must have been restrained and paralyzed in some way. But they're
0: saying they also find, like further to this point, they find puncture, like needle puncture marks on his body. Now, the prosecutor jumps in to say, this isn't that uncommon with bodies that have been treated by e. EMTs because a lot of times that can be them trying to put IVs sure. wherever they whatever they're trying to do to save the life but they found puncture marks in places that EMTs would not have put them
1: and they asked them they yes. asked the EMTs and lois Dr. lois says these puncture marks were made before he was dead yes shit
0: yeah so like they found them on the back of his neck on the back of his hands on his ankle on the top of one of his feet something ha-
1: it wasn't an intruder it could not have been an intruder no
0: so, August 3rd, 2006, it's the morning after. News breaks that this prominent member of the Asian community,
2: Robert Wan, is murdered. And there are three gay people in the house. Dupont Circle and the neighborhood of Swan Street was the center of the gay community. Joe Price was at the top of the A-list gay social scene in Washington, D.C.
0: Joe is, like, the head A gay guy. <laughs> the He's A-list like, no, head gay. A gay. He's a prominent lawyer. We learned he helped co-fund Equality Virginia. Like, because in 2006, gay marriage was not yet recognized. Yeah. President Bush, I remember living this. President Bush wanted to change the Constitution to make marriage legally a union between yeah. a man and a woman. To Boo. exclude... I mean, what Boo. on earth...
1: But they, like the point Joe was on the front lines, he was doing some Somebody work.
0: says Joe was on the front lines <laughs> fighting for rights and equality that are now taken for granted, and I said, Ah don't know that we take them for granted. I was going to say, wait a Just second. Just because we're not out there saying thank you, thank you, thank you every single day for these rights that make us equal humans does not mean that we take them for granted. And let
1: me tell you something our rights are getting taken away every day. Honest to like, God. No one's safe. No I, one no can one's safe. So the sh- There's always another shoe to drop. Exactly. Shut
0: up. But they're saying, like, he and Victor got a big USA Today profile because in 2006 they helped a lesbian couple have kids because they donated their sperm, which mm-hmm. was still kind of unusual back then. So these were, like, well known, prominent gays. And,
1: like, everyone knew that. That Joe was Robert's friend. Like, this wasn't like like, a secret relationship. Again, they were all in photos together. They were planning surprise parties. Like, all of these friends are like, wait, they're
0: the suspects? Right. And like, one of the Robert's friends that was with us earlier is back to say that one of their other friends sat with Kathy, Robert's now widow, for her interview with the detectives. And it becomes clear to all of them in that moment that the three gay guys are being suspected because all of Robert's people are like, oh my God, those poor guys, like, Robert loved them. They're such good guys. They must be a wreck. And now it becomes clear that, no, they're suspects. And
1: here's another, like, I don't know, Joe, the night after the murder.
0: That night,
2: Joe called me and asked if I could talk to Kathy. And I think he used the words wave privilege and share with him what the detectives asked.
0: Like, why? It doesn't make sense. She wasn't there. Like, what does either Joe think that Kathy knows? Like, why does he need to know this? Like, why does he need... What? And why isn't he calling her saying, like, what can I do? How can we help plan the funeral? What do you need? Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah,
1: how can I help? And then even more, Joe, Victor, and Dylan eventually show up to the house and demand a private meeting with Robert Wan's wife. In the
0: basement, out of earshot and eyesight of everybody else. So they can bully her? Yes, and one of the other friends says, I don't know what they said to Kathy in that meeting, but she comes out. Out of that meeting believing them. Yes. Thinking that they are also victims here.
1: Now, Bernie the attorney. <laughs> Bernie the attorney. <laughs> like, all, we get all of that, which is like damning thing after yes. damning thing. And
0: like they just making them look like fucking assholes. And
1: then Bernie the attorney is just like, this is all about being homophobic and people are gay and you don't kill people because they're gay. And I'm like, right, I totally, totally hear you. Yeah. But what's with the private meeting and what's with the phone call?
0: Because both things can be true. Uh, and they they, can, are. Be, they like, can be murderers and the cops can also be homophobes.
1: Exactly. You know? And like maybe other things weren't looked into because of the homophobia or because yeah. they were focused on this, like, whatever. I mean, we
0: get this one, like, slice of Joe's interview where, like, the cop literally says to him, look, we got three homosexuals in the house and one straight guy. I think you're all drinking wine. Do you know what's gonna <laughs> happen tonight? You're coming to Jesus tonight. Yeah, no, like, give me a break. What? And then some other cop tells us later, no, 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 They're not homophobes. They're not bigots. They're playing good cop, bad yeah, cop. Yeah, this, this is, just, is all part of the game. We gotta get them riled up. We gotta get them talking. Uh, Fuck you. And Joe... Talk what? about all things can be true. Like, yeah. you're homophobes Phobic, and you're also like, "Oh, I know how to play
1: bad cop. Can I be bad cop?" <laughs> They're fighting over who gets to I be didn't bad game. Oh know. my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> so, and also, like, we just go through like all of this. Like, here, like for the intruder theory to be true, here's what had to have happened. Yeah,
2: seven feet. The intruder would have somehow had to have catapulted over that fence without disturbing the pollen, the cobwebs. After the intruder drops into the backyard, goes over here, he doesn't get the large knife out of the butcher block, no, he gets one of the modest-sized steak knives, and then makes his way through the house into the living room, not interested
0: in any expensive electronic equipment, apparently.
1: They run up the loud, creaky stairs.
0: Now, those stairs are so loud that Joe himself in one of the interviews is like, yeah, that would definitely wake me up. And
1: it didn't. And it didn't. And Joe, you just kept saying it didn't. When you changed your story, Joe, you didn't say also the stairs were really loud. Then, instead of going straight into Dylan's room, which is at the top of the stairs, if he's just there for the sake of intruding, he turns around, goes all the way down to the guest room, doesn't stab Robert right away. No,
0: this is an important point. Like, if he was there just to kill Robert, he would have opened the door and stabbed him. Right. If the intruder theory is true, that's not what happened.
1: he walks around the bed
0: passing the wallets and the expensive
1: watch doesn't steal the wallet watch or anything stabs Robert perfectly three times either left the knife in the body or takes it out
0: because Joe told both stories. Yes. The intruder leaves the way he came in, bypassing Dylan once again. And then this to me is the most damning part. The killer would have gone down the stairs. The stairs end at the front door. Mm -hmm. And rather just going out the front door, he goes back through the living room, back through the kitchen, out the patio where he once again has to (laughs) climb that seven foot fence. And doesn't disturb the cobwebs or the dirt. Or the dirt on either side of the fence. This did not happen. This didn't happen.
1: And also, there are 79 minutes in between Robert getting there and the 911 call being placed.
0: So, like, the cops learn why that's important when they canvass the neighborhood. So they're saying these houses, these row houses, like, the way they are built, you share walls with your neighbors, and some of these walls are paper thin. You can hear what's going on in the other houses. And so they're asking the neighbors, like, did you hear anything? Did you hear anything? Well, the next door neighbors to the gay guys, they are this older couple and they say they religiously every single night watch a news anchor named Maureen Bunyan, who's on from 11 to 11 30.
2: These neighbors were interviewed by the detectives and they said while Maureen Bunyan was on which is between 11 and 11 30 p.m. I heard a scream. That's the only scream that anybody heard that night and that scream becomes crucial to establish a timeline
1: And it happened before 1130 because they knew she was on. She's off at 1130. Yes. So why did the 911 call happen at 1149? So
0: they say the loud scream would have been Victor seeing Robert stabbed on the bed. But he didn't call. So at the very latest, that scream would have been at 1130 when the news broadcast ended. Still 20 minutes. They don't call 911 for 20 minutes. Right. And they say, but it could have been anywhere from 19 to 49 minutes that they knew he was dead and didn't call the cops. Suspicious. Yeah.
1: So now 72 hours after the murder, they search Dylan's room. Remember, Dylan is like the third wheel here. Pull
0: over. Pull, pull over, over. Please, God. Pull
1: over. The cops say we found hundreds and hundreds of sexual devices. Now, we are not a kink-shaming podcast. No. Do what you want to do as long as everyone is a human, adult, consenting, awake person. We yes. don't give a shit. But sober. S- sober? <laughs> yes, you can't consent if you're not sober. Yes. Um, Some of these things are just, I think, a little bit relevant. Not all of
0: it. The thing is, they lay out the, like, we're talking hundreds of, they're not sex toys. They are. And
1: we'll get into this a lot more in the next episode, so please don't judge me for what I'm saying now, but some of these things. I say
0: some of these are, like, downright medieval. Right.
1: But, you know, some chains or gags or or whatever, like cock rings, nipple clamps, like, whatever. That's not a big deal. But some of these things, you know, like, things to keep like, limbs spread apart. Yes. And, uh, like, actual whips and things that are like, wow, okay, these are people who are like really into that like
0: gas mask with a lock on the back of it that i lost my breath when i heard that
1: well to me like it's still not as bad as what we're gonna hear in the next episode i think all of this can be whatever you want it to be yeah
0: but i mean i think the point is what this said to me was like are they into like really kinky but also potentially dangerous if not done the right way sex play yeah and something happened and it went wrong
1: right And so they do a sexual assault exam. Because
0: the cops immediately jump to, they tortured and raped this guy.
1: And so they do a sexual assault exam on Robert. And they find semen on his genitals and inside Robert's rectum.
0: Which took my breath away.
1: And you're like, shit.
0: Like, is Robert living some kind of secret double life? Or a life that Kathy knows about that he just hasn't told me about? Right. Or was he assaulted or whatever?
1: Now, this is where I was like, wait, what?
0: Yeah.
2: We get the DNA results back. We read the results. It turns out it's Robert's own semen.
1: The semen inside of him, it's his own semen. It's his own DNA. Right. In his rectum. And this shocked me. Yeah. That it was his own DNA. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, is there a way, like, when you're by yourself Uh and you're, I don't know in a stranger's bed and you want to get frisky with yourself I don't
0: know like, okay. it, well, I don't know how, I don't, how to speculate on this like to yeah. me like this seemed strange so like as okay. a person with this genitalia I'll say like no there's not like a quick and easy answer to I this I thought there was maybe
1: <laughs> hoping beyond hope there was like a perfectly reasonable explanation no I mean
0: there might be gays that are like oh no it's this thing Like, okay. but I'm not that gay so I don't know
1: okay yeah I do. not I mean, know I mean I am that
0: gay <laughs> but I'm not that you're not that, gay.
1: that does that one get the italics or <laughs> it, look it's just sp- a Sparkles, Look, I would do this for like a year. I can't do this again right now. Okay, sorry. Um, but that's how this episode ends, and I was yeah, shocked
0: same. by that. Fam, thanks so much for checking out this first episode of Who Killed Robert Wan. This is a two-parter, fam. There's only one other part, and it's available right now and ad-free on the Patreon at the $5 level. When you join the Patreon, by the way, you automatically get nearly 400 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge the second you join. Also, reminder, you can now get our Patreon feed on Spotify. I know everyone's been waiting for that. Just open Spotify, search TCO Patreon feed, and it comes right up. Or you can go to our website and click on the Patreon All right, fam. We love you. Bye.